North South Connection. Viewers' choice is back. And it's not the two normal voices you're used to, it is two other voices that you are somewhat used to together. And that would be I, Ryan Gray, and my old compadre from WCW Must Die, Johnny C. Johnny C, what is going on, my man? Ryan, Illumination Chamber must die. Oh, come on, dude. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, man, hey, I, I'm. it's awesome to hear your voice, man. I'm excited to do this. It was um, just to get a little inside baseball here. I mean, this is an unexpected reunion, but uh, I actually have uh, a lot to say about this show, so I'm really stoked to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was kind of one of those things where we were like, oh, hey, you're watching the show. Hey, I'm watching the show. Hey, I got a job, and I don't want to do it solo, so. Oh, absolutely. Whereas. <laughs> Want to just well, hold Ryan, hands a little bit and do this, dude? Well, what Ryan doesn't know is that uh, I'm an expert at going solo. So I've been preparing for this since I was like 10 years old. Uh, we don't want to hear about your sexual encounters. But anyways, um, <laughs> Johnny, let's let's stick to the theme of skip or pass because that's a greater theme they established. But let's just kind of just breeze through the card from the, stop, from the top all the way to the main event. Is that cool with you, Johnny? Hey, man, that works for me. Now, did you happen to see the pre-show match, which was Miz versus Rey Mysterio? Um, no, I did not. Ooh. Well, hey, there was nothing wrong with it. Let's just go real quick. If it, You don't have to go back and necessarily see it, but it could lead to something that we saw later in the show. But yeah, yeah, what's up with that? I saw a sketch. Yeah, but pretty much... You don't really need to see this match. You can get explain this match on why we got there. But pretty much this is, you know, this is a solid WWE style match. You know, decent. It really wasn't a bad match whatsoever. It was actually, I'd call it a good. It's like a, it would be considered a good TV match. You know, you have two lifetime mid-card guys, as in Miz and Mysterio, float a little bit up with the card. But you, you call them upper mid-card guys, legacy Hall of Fame guys, whatever. Two top 100 WWE wrestlers. So you're not going to get bad action here. But it was actually a little better than I thought. Leading into the finish where Miz is outside, Eddie Guerrero stuff, Dominic gets thrown out. So now you think that, okay, that Miz outsmarted these guys, which leads to Dominic walking up the ramp, Miz attacking Ray from behind, Ray eluding him, throwing him into the ropes for a quick sunset flip victory. It's better than I described it. So I went three and a quarter stars actually on that match. Everything included. Just went over the finish. But solid WWE match, give or take if you want to watch it or not. Question about this match based on the replay that they showed. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So much to your uh, dismay, I read a lot of comic books where things are often retconned, meaning that they no longer have meaning in the storyline. Is Dominic Mysterio the son of Eddie Guerrero or not in the modern product. I think that they throw hints to it and shade to it just as a funny haha to their history, or they kind of use it for heels to gain some heat. But really, I don't think so. But they, they would have to go. They'd be getting deep in the weeds if they ever did that. Retcon Dominic. All right. That's it. That's all I wanted to know. Cause I was, I was thrown by that. But pretty much what this match was designed to do was it was on the pre-show show Miz could have a follow-up interview in the middle of the show. What Miz said is he needs to go get some friends to combat these two. He tried cheating like Eddie to get the upper hand or outsmart, whatever, because that's what he does. But he understands that these guys are, you know, a well-knit unit. So he's going to go get a partner, combat these guys. Johnny, who do you think this partner is going to be? The American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. 
Could be. But there's a report out there. Shall we spoil or should I throw you volleys? Well, it would, uh, if it is the first of all, if it is the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes, it's an absolute waste. But uh, yeah, I say spoil it, man. This guy's yeah. a, see if the people get excited or not. All right. So spoil it if you don't want to be spoiled. Fast forward a minute. <laughs> but um, yeah, all so three the, Spider-Man are in Spider-Man. There's your spoiler. Spider what? Anyway, look, like Spider-Man, like Brock Lesnar. Oh, that's later. <laughs> that is a spoiler for later in this show. I'm sorry. I had to get that gag in. It's not Johnny C if we don't get to gags. But anyways, uh, again, enough of your sex life. And if these people skip ahead, and if people skip ahead a minute, <laughs> and if these people skip ahead a minute, minute, they're guys. gonna <laughs> they're gonna miss that. But anyways, so there's reports that it's it, you know Cody Rhodes is being floated, Morrison's being floated. It is neither. It is actually Logan Paul, which is actually ties into a little history that they had on TV with. Logan and Miz. I think uh, Logan's last experience was on Moist TV, believe it or not. And um, I guess there was like a budding friendship between the Miz and Logan Paul. So interesting little tidbit there. And, you know, well, it's cute. I think it's cute. And this match was definitely a conduit to get there. So it's a really cool spot for Ray. And it's a really cool spot for um, Dom, especially. And it's a good spot of Miz. So and I and ultimately, like you said, the American nightmare, it's not a waste of Cody, because I think if you bring Cody in that spot and you're slotting him as like a second match on a first night of WrestleMania, that is not slotting him correctly for the contract you're paying him and the upside that he has. So all things considered, I think this is a kind of like a home run idea. And plus, Logan Paul has what? Kajillion, gabillion YouTube followers and Twitter followers or whatever. So oh, he's a he's a confirmed Pokemon master as well. So we might be seeing some rogue Bulbazar attacks in this match, fans. Stay tuned. Say what? Anyways, that's pretty, pretty much on gimmick with you spitting out shit and me knowing no clue what it's about. <laughs> But either way, I'm 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 here for that. I think that's a quote unquote hit. And all things considered, with Miz and Mysterio on the show, would be a not a miss. I would be a a, a mild hit and a mild must see if that interests you at WrestleMania. But either way, you're gonna see it on our fucking replay. So uh, Johnny, the real start of the show: Goldberg versus Roman Reigns for the Universal. Championship, massive pop for Roman Reigns as he was introduced to this Saudi crowd. Just the whole presentation of Roman, the heel act, everything still works for me. It's that perfect music hits. I'm instantly excited. My phone is instantly off my hand. My eyes are uh, glued to the TV. So I, is it still? Is Roman still working? Yes. Is Roman still? Is Roman getting stale? Not at all in my eyes. He has plenty. Of, he's 500 and. 57 days into his reign, and I am not bored whatsoever. What say you on that subject? No, absolutely. When when Roman comes out, my uh, Roman comes out, my mouth goes shut. Believe it or not, folks. I know I do think Roman's working really well, and I think that this character is primed and positioned for what he's going to be doing here in about six weeks. I think that what's happening in six weeks, based on the results of this night, is going to be. Um, important if done properly and uh so because of that i would say this this whole presentation is definitely something you should watch but you know the match is what you would expect yeah he and, and still he's he's back to being flanked by with paul in the usos the tag team championship belts are you know held up high as Heyman holds up the universal championship the whole look the presentation everything is fantastic and he gets in the ring and he and he quotes he says the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. 
acknowledge me. And they all pop. He's But to his credit, they get up for Goldberg. First of all, Johnny C, why are there no locker rooms in Saudi Arabia? Is that like a cultural thing? Is that like a uh, what, what's up with that? Well, I'm afraid that any gags I might use may start an international incident. So I'm going to go with Goldberg was uh, uh, changing in the back with. I'm not going to make a joke. There's no <laughs> locker rooms in Jeddah. <laughs> yeah, no locker rooms in Jeddah. So we don't get the knock on the door and we don't get the elaborate walk through backstage. We get Goldberg instantly fireworks ready to come out. But did you know, I forgot to mention that Roman Reigns is officially in God mode and that he is 537 days as universal champion just behind behind Pedro, Backlund, Hogan and Bruno. When will he how close is he to the next person? I mean, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just curious. I want to say a year and a half. I want okay, to say so a really long time, a long time in the modern era. I believe he is. He's well into halfway there. I want to say Pedro or back. I, I want to say Backlund is in the thousands, but I want to say Pedro is in the like eight thirties. So Roman Roman's almost a year. I think a year and a half away. Okay. Well, that's that's a long time for every for all the premium live events he's going to have to perform on, but we'll see. But <laughs> but anyways, this match, I honestly, I don't think this match was a miss. It was super safe, as it should be, with Roman six months out from headlining WrestleMania in a monster match. So Goldberg shouldn't be throwing him up in jackhammers. Goldberg was presented safe, but fair, but good tonight. I thought this was, if this is it for Goldberg... This was a fun, safe way to go out. And is it electric? No. Was it uh, was it one of Goldberg's better matches? No. But it was a safe, good two and three quarter stars match is what I had it at. The structure was short, but it was super impactful. And really, Roman made him look good with those spears. The snap that Roman delivered on selling those spears was good. I love the first spot after the spear where he went for the Irinagi reversal. And then how Roman got out of that and then hit him with like a, like a rock bottom or whatever. But then the second one, the second spear, Goldberg went for the jackhammer, got him about two thirds of the way up. And then it, which led into the guillotine submission, which I and I like the hope spot where Goldberg searched around the ring looking for escapes. And then, you know, a minute and a half to two minutes later, Roman finally lynched it in on him. And that was it. You know, I don't know you don't do stars, but how many guillotines would you give this match? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Probably two and a half because it was unspectacular. It was, to, but totally fine. I just think Roman needs a more engaging submission move. Uh, I, it's safe. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I, th- I think it's, I like how he can do it and talk shit. I like how he can do it and have them ex- like his catchphrase is acknowledge me, correct? So I love sure. how he I love how he can snitch that in and just have the crowd acknowledge him and how the you know, how actually the the opponent taps out and acknowledges he's the winner. So I like the presentation of it, but I kind of understand what you're saying. Well, actually, now that you've said that, I'm all for it because you sold me on it. Well done. All right. So after that Roman match, which two and a half, two and three quarters. Is yep. that a skip? Is that a miss? It depends. It's in. I would say it's middling, but it's definitely worth – the whole presentation is worth your watch. And if you're a Goldberg fan, that might be his last match, and you may want to check it out. I would say mild watch, 
But if you wanted to skip it, I totally understand. Yeah, and you know, I'm with you on that one. But on the next match, which was the Women's Elimination Chamber match for the Raw Women's Championship, I'm going to decree this a must-watch. What say you, Mr. Gray? Uh, Yes, I like this whole presentation. It It felt a little rushed, but in a good way. You know, I was wondering, are these the quickest Elimination Chamber matches in history? At about 15 minutes a pop. Is that what they were? It it probably is. Unless if, you know, Shayna's match two year, or two or three years ago was under 10, I think. But that was just like a boring Brock Lesnar-esque extravaganza. I, I really, I don't recall. But I bet you it's in the bottom 10% of time, these two, for sure. Well, I did appreciate how this was a, kind of a throwback to those old school elimination chamber days where it would be like maybe one or two credible people. And then you get your like Carlito, Chris masters type level guys, if that makes sense. Yeah. Good because call. You do drop Nikki Ash, you know, Liv Morgan. I know Liv Morgan people are, she's rising. If you will, she's still a girl. Not yet. A woman. But uh, it was cool to see Alexa bliss come back too. Uh, I was pulling for her in this match. I am fine with Bianca Belair. It obviously makes sense with her winning because her and Becky is that revenge or that that back to the top of the mountain story you've been telling. But I don't know. Everybody kind of got a moment to shine. Uh, Rare Ripley, I am not in favor of how the women have to perform when they're in the kingdom, and that's all I'm going to say. That being said, I thought Rare Ripley's presentation added a little bit more to her tonight in terms of you know her wardrobe. Uh, she kind of had a Catwoman Michelle Pfeiffer vibe going, which I don't, which is a positive thing because I think Catwoman is an extremely powerful character in women's popular culture. Uh, now I'm, I'm not going to ramble anymore because we're going to get off topic. Uh, Ryan, who's who's your MVP here? It's Bianca. Um, it was it was laid out for her to shine, but it was really laid out for all six women to shine. Nikki got a. It played into Nikki Ash's chicken shit vibe, which worked. So it added to her. It played into Dewdrop's, you know, powerful, slow ascent up the card. Let's establish her as a, you know, as a little monster. So it worked. But and her elimination, she got caught where she shouldn't have been going. So she's not really hurt. She's just kind of moving up the card a little bit. And it was there. Liv got an elimination. Um, Liv had some nice shine. So. Lives still in her teen years, so she's extending. Rhea, Rhea was had that 44-minute gauntlet match on Monday, so they alluded to that right away, as they should. And as we thought Monday in the preview, that her going so long in the gauntlet would play a story into this match, as it did, as it should, and everything worked there. But she still looked rather, like you said earlier, impressive. So it was a good presentation for her. And then we brought to Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss was the smallest girl outside of Nikki in this match, but Nikki was already gone when Alexa got in. So Alexa was smart. She was playing cat and mouse. She was running around. She was trying to get quick roll-ups. She understood that she was a uh, a veteran in this chamber, but she also understood that she has ring rust. So she was trying to get quick, decisive pinfalls, and she had a few very good, meaningful pinfalls on Bianca, which, ooh, I said, ooh, that actually kind of almost had me. So overall... I think this match worked. And then, you know, uh, Bianca delivered, I think, two or three KODs for finishes. So she got her match over, which may and should and probably will be used on Becky 
in their match at Summers at WrestleMania. So everything was laid out perfect. Everything laid out made sense. It's told a great story for all six girls. And I thought it was a hell of a presentation. And that all that happened in 15 minutes. Nothing was wasted. No one overstayed their welcome. No one. I was never bored in this match. And I thought it was great. Can I just ask one question? Go for it. And, I, you know, tonight was a lot about WrestleMania, okay? To the point that where after each match the impact of WrestleMania was finished, they showed the graphic for the match, which I, I love seeing shit like that. But is it time to improve the branding and finally change the names of these fucking championships? I mean, can, why is it not? Why is Becky not the WWE Women's Champion and Charlotte's not the WWE Universal Women's Champion? Like, I, this, it, I'm doing your job for you guys. Yeah, I know. It's it was just a short sightedness of trying to establish establish a brand, the importance of the brand split. So let's give the women's title. Well, first of all, there's no lineage there to be like the WWE and the Universal. So they were there was more of a cue of presenting the brand, which the WWE does best present the brand over the wrestler. So they wanted to present Raw and SmackDown as more meaningful. So let's name the tag team titles and let's name the uh, the women's titles as the brand because the brand is bigger than. I mean, I think everything. that makes sense. As a matter of fact, I would say you should rename the Intercontinental and United States Championships as the Raw and SmackDown Championships. And, you know, but that's a whole nother story because that, that lineage has been fucked beyond belief. But to I don't there, there are no secondary titles for the women. So this is it. So they need to be advertised as being on the same level as the WWE and the Universal. That's my argument for it. No, this is an argument. I think it's a lively discussion, but that's that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, I just I think it was short sighted. And I think when they have to do a belt swap every year or every other year for the tag titles or for the smack or the women's title, I think that they wish that they thought of that in back in 2016 when they presented all this, but overall it doesn't bother me, but it's just kind of, it is a little silly. Don't get me wrong, but it's fine. But overall this match wasn't silly. Johnny, I'm going to go three and a half. What if they changed it to the USA and the Fox championships? Do you think that might be an idea that Cody Rhodes has? Or are they not taking his creative? That's to be seen. But yeah, I think uh, I think the true TV title is going to come in soon. <laughs> or actually, what if they called it the Fox News TV title? So that would be kind of interesting, too. Well, I would have that means I would have to cancel Charlotte Flair, and I don't want to do that. Oh. I, I like Charlotte Flair. Speaking of Charlotte Flair and outfits, she did look rather ravishing. Or too. as and I'm not going to steal this. I'm going to give credit to Jenny. Uh, who you can follow at the Jenny position. Uh, she called her, she's dubbed her Charlotte Claus. Oh, because, <laughs> yeah, that's cute. I like that. Well, Charlotte's outfit was a massive fuck you to the WWE that I'm not going to pay to have a new outfit made. I don't know, and I'm not here to mock someone's appearance, but, you know, obviously the women are all presented differently on these shows. Charlotte's different presentation was hilarious. <laughs> hey, I thought it worked. I guess uh, Ronda Rousey looked like an idiot. Um, well, and I'm a I, Ron, and I'm a Ronda fan, but that's it, it's just it's too much of a leap. Like, please, you were gonna say something probably wiser than I though, so please. Yeah, it was interesting. Like it it, it was a leap. It, I thought it was more silly than effective, but I kind of appreciated that. First of all, it was probably her idea, and I don't think it was a 
such a bad idea that it should have been rejected, but I thought it was more silly than like a good presentation. So if you haven't seen it, she wore her like karate or her whatever guillotine. She wore her gi. She wore her judo gi from the Olympics, right? But if you're going to wear a gi, this is WWE. You need to have a costumed one. Like, because this was like, I I don't know. Like, I know that there's something to be said about legitimacy, but you're also putting on a performance. And I just, I don't know. Nobody wants to hear about her outfit. And it's not even important. But because of where they choose to do their business, which is fine, they make changes to the characters on the television show, and that's all I'm talking about. These characters looked different in this episode, and it was jarring. Yeah, but I think it was expected, and I kind of oh, no, I know, I know. kind of looked it's... past it, I guess. But but you're saying, but I notice it when like when the heat of the match is coming and it's clicking and everything. It kind of, it just reminds you of kind of where they are and what's going on and what it is. Yeah, I, I God love it for there's like half of these matches were female matches tonight. That's amazing. Uh, I'm not gonna. Yeah. So I don't want to take away from that. Yeah. Like, um, and that's a that's a, you would even told me that six years ago. I'd have been like, you're out of your mind. But what? I think mean, that's great. But uh, it wasn't a. I don't think it was a must watch. But I also was getting pizza during some of this match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It's let's just say. If you're going to skip anything, I'd skip this. But overall, it was a fine, harmless, somewhat fun. It wasn't really fun. It was a fine, harmless, like, fun at times presentation. You know, Sonya took her sling off right away, and you saw that coming. So you got Ronda vulnerable, one neck, uh, one arm tied behind her back. And it was good to see Charlotte get heat on that. So is there anything where... Ronda's one arm is going to lead to I don't know that's to be seen but on paper and by me telling you yeah Ronda had one arm tied behind her back it sounds stupid and they presented it okay but it worked but it took away but the structure of that took away from the overall upside of this match Naomi is coming off her best singles match ever about a week and a half ago and she looks sloppy Mm. so you know, if Naomi's stock was rising, it, it kind of took a hit tonight. She was probably the the least effective worker in this match. Um, Charlotte was fine, and it was good to see Charlotte get the upper hand on Ronda, even despite Ronda's gimmick of having one arm. So it was, to get to see Charlotte get heat on Ronda, it was worth it for the story and the build towards that match. But what we had here is Ronda won with Naomi when she one-armed got a arm bar on Sonya. Charlotte took a step in the match, took a step in the apron and said, nah, I'm good. Grabbed her belt, walked up the aisle as Sonya tapped. So you had the face to face. Charlotte said, I got the upper hand. My job was done here. Two stars, nothing fantastic, nothing bad. <laughs> it's, oh. it's good that Charlotte is using, will be using her intelligence. I think that tells a natural story of like, because Rhonda's kind of presented as like a jock. Okay, for lack of a better term, and Ron and Charlotte's, you know, the uh, she's got so many nicknames. But what's her nickname now in the company? Like the um, the opportunity. Yeah, and it's, so she's like a cerebral. Oh, I don't want to use cerebral, <laughs> but she's like an intelligent. She's like the smart wrestler, and Braun is the jock. So you got the brains and the brawn, and but of course Charlotte's the you know the top performer as well. So it's, it's a cool story. I'm excited to see the match for mania. It did make me excited for that. Yes. And I'm curious if this, this is going to actually get legs to main event 
the main because on paper right now in pencil i sure it's in the late event but is there going to be enough legs for it to actually main event night one or is low is low key bianca and becky going to have the juice to do it or is another match going to oh, rise no. up like a no. stone cold or maybe even a Cody, whoever those guys fall out, would one of those get hot enough to main event one night? I would say that this match is a little vulnerable of falling off main eventing night one. Yeah, well, night one is the only one that's up for grabs because night two is etched in stone. As of as like that. And yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, and we'll talk about that at the end because that's the, the presentation that I'm excited for. But, yeah, I I think it's, um, it's Ronda and it's Fox money. So I could see that main eventing night one. Uh, if Stone Cold and Owens fight, it's not going to be in the main event as it shouldn't because it's too too much risk involved with Austin perhaps yeah. putting on a stinker, which I'm not trying to talk shit. He's a classic, but uh, between his anxiety and his ring rust, I would not have it main event too risky. Yeah, but oof, if if they're confident about it and there's nothing going to follow that because it's just going to be electric. But anyways, we'll get oh. to that later. Yeah, yeah, sorry. The next match here, we got his Madcap Moss versus Drew McIntyre. I'm a Madcap Moss kind of guy, and he fucking brought it tonight. Did, Johnny, did you see that gnarly bump he took on his neck from the I Alabama did. Slam? Do you so think Marco what... Holly would have paralyzed him? Oh, Jesus Christ, yes. He would have twice over because Hardcore Holly, one of those guys who's like, well, the kid can't take it if I shouldn't be in the business anyway. I'm just showing him. <laughs> I'm just helping him figure it out. Motherfucker, Holly. Motherfucker, pussy football player, you shouldn't be in the fucking business. Bam! Give me the titles. All of them. I just... Here's my thing, though. Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss are like the white trash Ted DiBiase and Virgil. Is that their gimmick? Because I don't watch... I, I don't really know who they... Who their characters are. Is that is that the thing? Because did Corbin win a bunch of money like he was Diamond Dallas Page? Yeah, so Corbin was down on his luck at going into Survivor Series. Or excuse me, going into SummerSlam. And he hit big... Again, well, he down on his luck because he lost his crown in Nakamura. So he had about two months where he was just mopey and homeless and wore the same shirt every week on SmackDown. It wasn't really and it was probably the peak of his character work. And then at Vegas, he he found a dollar or whatever and put it in a slot machine and fucking hit a million dollars. So so someday when Baron Corbin goes into the Hall of Fame, I hope that it's pointed out that he is the best example of having a old school Saturday morning WWF superstars character in the modern era. Yes, but he found a friend and his friend is this happily, jokily madcap Moss, formerly Riddick Moss, who was had a cup of coffee on raw before really, I think he tore his ACL before the, right before the pandemic, he tore his ACL. So, So he was called up, but he was instantly gone after like three weeks or whatever. So he's a freak athlete. He is a former football player, and he is a the the performance center like iron strongman, pound for pound strongest guy they got down there or whatever. And all their like college athlete in Olympic styled whatever obstacle courses or you know, workouts that they do down there. I think he's like a two or three time champion, just like Bel Air. So obviously they're super high on him just because of his upside. And then just to watch him kind of come together in this character, because I was never like a Riddick Moss guy or whatsoever. And then I was like, he kind of has a little something to him, even on that short run, because in NXT, he was just literally a job guy and they would just put him out there, but they would always, you know, hype up his accolades that I just went over. 
So he was called up and you're like, geez, what is this? But you would see like spurts of athleticism that you saw in the do uh, the new the day one match in which you saw today times 100. Like he made Corbin, excuse me, he made Drew look like a million bucks. He was out there bumping, flying around. And his presentation is so wonky that it works for me. And I, I don't even want, like, I do not want to see Happy Corbin versus Drew McIntyre WrestleMania. But that's what we're getting to. Like, they keep alluding to that uh, Happy Corbin hasn't lost since getting happy. <laughs> so he hasn't lost the one-on-one match, but he is, you know, constantly, he's lost like tag matches or whatever, but he hasn't been pinned. So the pre- they're presenting him as a viable threat for Drew because there's no one else on the roster and they want to keep Drew strong coming through WrestleMania and out of WrestleMania for Roman, but whatever. But yeah, it's, I, I, yeah, I have no interest in that WrestleMania match. Me, me either, but I get why they're doing it. And I continuously think that Corb, uh, that Madcap is stealing the shine from all of it. Well, Drew still well, presents, and Drew's still awesome, but his he's working with shit, and I don't know, Madcap is rising. <laughs> I don't Here's know. the thing. You want you say he's rising. I'm telling you one thing right now. He's got a ceiling. If he doesn't change his name from Madcap Moss to just, like, Riddick, which is a sweet name, uh, he is going to be remembered for the rest of his career as the guy that took the first and probably only ever clay sword finishing maneuver <laughs> all right so the thought the finish of this here's the thing they corb whenever they madcap would get the offense it was because corbin was distracted and ran in it was a glorified handicap match because you know, it was falls count anywhere so i actually did not hate this match i actually thought it was good everything considered structured and worked great and all that stuff so the finish was drew uh madcap lord fucking jesus christ happy corbin runs in and Drew is happening to grab the sword. So he swings the sword. Madcap free, or Drew freaks out, runs out of the ring, looks at the ref. The ref's like, it's legal. They established that the sword is legal on SmackDown two weeks ago. So Drew, with hand, sword in hand, does the one, two, three in, what do you call it? Sword more? <laughs> what, that, <laughs> the clay sword. The clay sword. Did the clay sword. And then he kept the fucking sword in his hand while he put his fucking foot on Moss for the pin. And he took it to the... Go ahead. ahead. I fucking hate this sword. I've always hated this sword, but I kind of like that stub spot. But I don't know if because I was in a wonky mood because of Madcap. Yeah, this is... um, I I was going to say you should watch this one, and it's for all the sword shenanigans. I thought it was great. It's one of those stupid things that stands out. I don't know. Hey, I liked it more than I should have, and I'm going to give it actually three swords for you. Yeah. And that's the only time I'm going to elude from my gimmick. I la- I laughed funnier than that joke was because I'm just so tickled by you incorporating it. <laughs> I would um, say it's a middling match. It it was probably better than it should be. And if you want to see wonkiness, and if you're in the mood for wonkiness, with a serious presentation, I would watch it. If you, that sounds terrible to you, I would skip it. it that's totally on to you. I was in a, it put me in a silly mood, so I gave it th- again three swords. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's um, it it was what it was. The next match, I uh, spoiler, I'm I'm I, I want to get in front of this. I'm gonna say it's a you should watch, okay? And I'm gonna say it's a you should watch because it is a a fantastic example. There's the old joke that uh, you know Ric Flair or Shawn Michaels could carry a broom to like a five star match, okay? <laughs> now I'm not trying to to speak, talk shit about Lita. I have no problem with Lita or whatever, but she 
was being carried here like it was nobody's business. And I understand it's a lot to do based on ring rust and being away and everything like that. And I think she got gassed pretty early. But holy shit, did that storyline take a backseat in my mind for the last like two minutes, which was really entertaining. Yeah. Uh, if you're a Becky naysayer, just. Yeah. Just, I mean, just Jesus. quit it. Just quit Cause, it. Cause you know I what I mean? Bit, I bit for the false finish. Yes. It was so well booked. And you know, Becky was calling the match because I heard her say slop earlier in the match. So she was calling that shit in the ring. Yes. But first, Johnny, do you think this is the first time we ever got a ginger versus ginger in the WWE? Well, it wasn't the first time it's ever been played on my uh, computer before, but uh, it was the first oh. in WWE history. Horny Johnny peaks again as we continue this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, you know, that's I don't want to be. I, I, I apologize for that because I'm this, kidding. It's my gimmick. Okay. I live horny. Stop. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, it, it was. Does, has Becky always been doing this um, mohawk deal? Because I'm just Johnny C is all in. Uh, would would be what Tony Khan would tweet about my feelings for that mohawk. I don't know, man. Becky's I like her presentation is a a little different than it should be, or not that she it should be, she it looks was. like the villain from the '80s classic Cyborg. If anyone's ever seen that, her glasses are amazing. But yeah, she always has big glasses, and she's gone down the. Her and Seth have a stylist, right? So. Every week they bounce the ideas off this stylist, and this guy pretty much just forms styles for them. Wow. Which I, I kind of love works. that. Yeah. Oh, that's the coolest thing I've learned about professional wrestling in a long time, to be honest with you. That's genius. Can you imagine that guy? That's just that guy's job, by the way. And you know what? That's what I, I'm just there elevating. This, I think when the when the book is written, there's going to be something said about those two if they can keep up this uniqueness to them as performers. That's all I'm going to say because it's not that podcast. Yeah, when they come together in a storyline again, it's going to be totally different than it first was and when it was a total miss in 2019. Oh, like, they're the Joker and uh, well, they're not the Joker and Harley Quinn, but I think Seth Rollins wishes he was the Joker, but that's another story. Yeah. But overall, this honestly, this started rough, and I was just like, ugh, what are we, you know, what are we doing here? Uh, Lito, was, Lito was wicked sloppy, and Becky was trying to hold it together, but man, Becky reeled her in, and like you said, that final three minute stretch was fantastic, yeah. and that false finish, it did have me too. So I was just like, wow, you know, that was kudos, Becky. You know, Becky reeled her in, Becky calmed her down. And they presented a very good professional wrestling match. And Lita, this is what you said, the first match in 15 years, one-on-one for Lita. And she has shown no signs leading into this where she could have ever have a decent match. But Becky reeled her in, and it showed why Becky is one of the top women of all time. Not to mention that, and I was going to, like, I don't, I, I have a lot, the gag is kind of, I don't, I don't rate rank mating rank matches or speak English apparently from like a real perspective. But, uh, and so this might be a little off step, but uh, to me, this was like three and a half, three and a quarter, but at the end of the day, I would elevate it to four because of the post-match where Lita gets her moment in the sun to come back into the ring. And it really is, I think something to be said that when she started her career, how she was presented versus her standing in the middle of a ring performing in Saudi Arabia in a main event type match as her curtain call. Like that's, 
Yeah, it's a good moment. That's, you know, it's important. It's important. And I'm sure that she had wicked, as you could tell, she had wicked butterflies going into this match. Wicked, yeah, listen to me. She had butterflies going into this match, as we saw early, as they were kind of stumbling early and they just weren't meshing together and whatever. But I feel that she felt satisfied afterwards. I felt that she, Becky, felt satisfied afterwards. So I totally felt the satisfaction through them, and I was satisfied in the match. Three and a half stars. Okay, good. I I, I feel a little better than you. you yeah, and three and a half is very good. Is sure. for me. Three and a half is very good for me. Four is great. I just don't think they got the four. I don't. No, they didn't. They didn't from a wrestling. No. But the story, I would say the story was probably a three at seven, three point seven five, with, you know, get with on the bump up to four, and the structure was three and a half, and so it wasn't designed to be four. But I think that they. They didn't hit their ceiling because of the of the wonkiness or the uncomfortability and just like a few things were totally off. But I think that they delivered, if that makes any sense to you. To me, it's, it'll be the thing I remember most uh, about this show, even though, you know, there might be a, one thing that stands out more at the end. But we'll get there. <laughs> now, have you, is this your first time seeing that four minute Undertaker video going into the Hall yeah, of Fame? Oh, you, God, I'm so glad you brought that up. That was a thing of fucking beauty. Amazing. I'm not even a huge Undertaker mark. But no, me neither. That, that presentation is fantastic. And that is a must watch if you haven't seen it. They showed it last oh. night on they showed it last night on SmackDown and they've it's been all over social media, but they showed it here. So if you've not seen that, I would hundred percent seek that out. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, and it's just such a good show that like I know that it's funny. I was listening to the uh, podcast they were talking about their GWWE and uh, you know it's the conversation is always guys like Hogan, Rock, Austin, because of what they do outside of the business, and as that's the way it should be. But watching this video, all those lean years or those times where those guys weren't there bringing it, this really stood out to me as making me think of that. So he really has been this ridiculous constant. It's like, oh, wrestling's really down. Oh, at least the Undertaker's performing. Yeah, especially in like – WrestleMania 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, where there was kind of lean, like you said, he constantly delivered, and he really was a draw for that company in the pay-per-view era. Yes, especially a for draw WrestleMania. For the, yes. That's a great way to put it, a draw for the company and a subscriber getter for the company, which is a statistic that they, the, the uh, internet wrestling folks I don't think have caught on to yet, and I'm not trying to invent something, but, you know, I will, when this era, this Peacock type era, WWE Network is like 20 years old. I really want to see. I hope we can get a breakdown of subscribers month to month and see what wrestlers move subscribers. That's just a, I don't know. That's a nerd thing that I'm into. Well, real quick on the Undertaker video, just think of this: the first ever WWE Network pay per view was WrestleMania 30, and Vince won, and felt. So it was so important to establish a network to have a moment where his streak is broken. So, wow. So they never put that together. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. So that I, I think that was one of the biggest reasons why Vince did it is because I have this network that's going to carry me, carry my legacy out and carry the WWE's history out. So I need to cash in on the history of the streak and the importance. I don't think it was really a Brock Lesnar thing. I think it was personally a WWE network thing. That's Brilliant. And I completely agree. And I think that's very poetic. I appreciate that. And it got him also, what, $50 million from Peacock six years later? <laughs> yes, it did. You're, you're goddamn right it did. So the Viking Raiders. Oh, this is history. This history. is history. 
Like, do they, what's going on here? I, I'm I, I'm a Viking Raiders fan, as is Rossi, as we talked about in the pre in the preview podcast. You know, we've watched Viking Raiders have banger after banger. If it's not NXT, it's the Indies or it's ROH, it's New Japan. They just deliver constantly. You could call their WWE run a little underwhelming, but they still run Raw titles. They still run NXT titles. And that was alluded to leading into this match. So they presented the Viking Raiders as threats coming in and leaving. The Usos never jump anyone. Is this going to be a WrestleMania match, or are they just going to blow this off on SmackDown? Because if they're going to have the, hold on, before I get jump, let you jump in, if they're going to have the Wrestle, if they're going to have the Vikings Raiders on WrestleMania, I think this is a strong way to present it. And it was I like mad that we didn't see this match? Not necessarily, but I seeing it being in the semi-main slot coming off the leader match, coming right before the chamber, I thought it was the perfect spot to do this. And I hope for the Viking Raiders' chances and their wallets. First of all, they get paid to come over here regardless, so whatever. I don't think they're mad at fucking jumping on a plane and, and not beating up their bodies and having a fucking comfortable ride home. So if you want to be like, those guys came over here for nothing, that's on you, not on them. Fuck <laughs> but yeah, man. Get paid. If they're going to cash in on a Saudi check and then a WrestleMania check back-to-back, good on them, man. This has got to turn into some sort of multi-team ladder match, right? I don't know. No, because you figured that they would be presented as a joke. This could I, I the way I read this coming out that it's going to be one on, or, or two on two team versus team at WrestleMania. That's how I took it. I could be wrong though. I could be reading it wrong, and it could be lead to just a big SmackDown main event, and then that could lead to a multi-man WrestleMania match. I'm not sure, but I do like this presentation for the Viking Raiders. Well, it was history making. All right, this did you know that this is the second time in a WWE slash F pay-per-view or premium live event history that a Viking related match has been falsely advertised. I did not know that. What is, uh, what's the other one, Johnny? Well, I know this because as I attended WrestleMania eight at the Hoosier dome in Indianapolis, Indiana, as a youngster, I was had my oh. seatbelt buckled in to watch the British bulldog, David boy Smith go one-on-one with the berserker and left a very unsatisfied nine-year-old. So that is a scar that I carry with me 24-7. So when it happened again, I said, never again, never again. They opened up the wound. Wow. That's too bad. Wow. I would have never guessed that. Thank you for that, Johnny. You're welcome. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here for 1992 (laughs) trivia. No, I I do know that 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 card was bumped, but that match was bumped from the card, but I never would have got it. So good on you, Johnny. Yes, thank you. Well, the British Bulldog was going to win whether he wanted to or not. I've been waiting to say that for like 20 years. I still don't get that, kid, but whatever. So we got the big we got the big boy match coming up now. We got the Elimination Chamber match. Did you well, know that they, the, What's up? Well, I was just going to say that, and I don't want to uh, – see, what I did there was cut off probably some awesome build to talk about how this match went down. But they did the same thing in two straight matches. Continue. I didn't want to lose that point. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, the chamber's 20 years old, Johnny. Did you know I that? know. And, and you know what? The ending of this showed me some new things, believe it or not, but we'll get there. Did you know this is the eighth time that the World Heavyweight Championship is on the line in the chamber? I know that 10% of the time, the third person that has entered the ring has won the match. I learned that tonight. No, I did not get that one down, but good on you. And did you know that it's 50-50 leading into this match that the WWE champion coming in is the WWE champion coming out? Did you know that? Did you know I studied English in school, not math? <laughs> now, could, did you, 
Now, if you could tell by listening to me for a few years, I am not an English major <laughs> or a few months or whatever. I'm more of a math guy myself as we. <laughs> I love it, though. It's great. We're not going to get into pipe fitting talk again. So I'm more of a math guy than an English guy. No, no pipe. Tell, but I, if it's the Boston accent or if it's fucking me swearing too much or if it's just me stumbling over words, I'm here for it and I live for it. So it's whatever. But I do like that they present the figures and the numbers like it's the Royal Rumble. They're trying to make the Elimination Chamber feel like it's important. Yeah. Also, did you notice there was no MVP tonight? Uh, I was going to try to make a joke about how everybody on the show sucked. But um, because they didn't, because there was no MVP. But then, yeah, I realized you oh, were geez. actually mentioning Montel Vontavious Ford in the character. So <laughs> I forget these things. I don't watch a lot of the modern product, guys. But no, he wasn't there. I wonder if that's if there's any follow to that, or if you know he just didn't want to, you know, if they just didn't book him to go. But I wonder if there's gonna, you know, be any storyline for that because obviously Lashley is pivoting off the World Championship, as we saw here. That's where Brock Lesnar won. Before we get into it, but I wonder, I I jotted that down when I was taking notes that I wonder if MVP not being here is gonna lead to rest, uh, his WrestleMania match being, I don't know, I have no fucking clue. Um. Yeah, I don't know what the undercard is shaping like for Mania. It's one of the things I'm excited to learn about over the next couple of weeks. But I understand why Bobby Lashley, we're, we're elephant in the room, but Bobby Lashley being eliminated by uh, circumstance or concussion protocol. I like the realism involved. I like that it was clear that Bobby performed in a way that described what they were going to use to write him off camera. And it keeps him, uh, quote unquote, uh, what is it when they keep him safe or keep him um, got his internet? Yeah, yeah, protect him. Thank you for God's sakes. But I don't know. It's considering like the Viking Raiders. The same thing just happened. That was a little screwy to me. Yeah, but before we get into the meat and the potatoes of the match, what did you think of Austin Theory walking around taking selfies with everyone in the pods? Oh my God! I think I messaged you. It's he's my new favorite. That was brilliant, and it was so great because it gave him a way to interact with four characters or three at the same time in different ways. Um, I don't really think that they'll ever let him become anything. So uh, I don't, I really don't. Really? I think he'll be he the, not a coming out of this. Coming out of this, he was everybody's plaything. Oh God, he did. The first two minutes was awesome. And I don't like, I don't, I was about to say, I don't like, it's very hard for me to care about modern wrestling when it's not, the people you see on the cereal boxes, because I know how they treat people that aren't cereal box people. Okay. And I feel like Austin theory is never going to be a cereal box guy. And I'm not saying that to discredit him, but I really wa enjoyed watching him perform with Rollins. I just am worried for the track record. And I don't mean to sound like one of those guys like, Oh, they don't push guys like Daniel Bryan. I don't believe that. I believe it has nothing to do with his size has everything to do with his larger than lifeness. He's entertaining. I don't know if he's larger than life. Yeah. But I think that, build that into him i think there's there's something i like about him which is obviously the look and it's the in nxt he showed a wider range of range look so i take to him as a like a mix of randy orton and ring he has the range of a young kurt angle and he looks like a young john cena so i'm gonna humbly disagree with you as they don't see anything in with him i think that he is a mix of a lot of guys and i think there's a lot to play with but i just don't think that they're scratching the surface of it because they got him in this they're establishing him one with vince which is huge and two they got him with like a like the riddle model where he's a little too jokey to start but he's kind of presented as a heel but they don't want you to hate him 
They want you to kind of get endeared to them. They want you to care about them. So when they rise them up as a baby face, kind of the same, like Riddle has always been a baby face, but they kind of want you to like him. So when he makes his character rise or his change, you always have that respect, have that grasp and that feeling for him. That's how I partake it as his presentation. But I can see how an outsider like you would look at him and be like, yeah, I would never see that goofy motherfucker be presented as anything more than he could be a, a random. He could be a Randy Orton because that that this era has given us a Randy Orton level of wrestling fame and a John Cena level of wrestling fame. He yeah, could be he a could Randy be Orton or a Triple H, a guy who is the important to wrestling and nothing else, but he's not going to be a Cena. Yeah, but in 2002, you would have never thought Cena was going to be Cena. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. You didn't think Cena was going to be, honestly, in my opinion, I don't think you would have thought Cena would be modern day Cena until after The Rock. Well, this is a couple days after Peacemaker on HBO ended. Cena is all is has reached a whole new level with that in terms of his uh, build. Like, I'm not going to talk about that, but I'm just saying, like, you're right. Cena has surpassed what I ever thought he would at this point. So maybe Austin Theory will do the same. And I hope it does to bring it back. I really want to be wrong. I'm, you know, I'm really just shocked that, well, here's the thing. Let's just get into the match. Like you alluded to earlier when you said Riddle or Theory and Rollins just wrestling. They had an awesome three minute match before the first guy went out. Yeah. And then then that spot to get Lashley out where they gave him the buckle bomb into the pod where Lashley was staring at Lesnar. It was a nice, unique twist. So that buckle bomb took Theory out of action for like, you know, what, 10 minutes or whatever. And that took Lashley completely out of the action because he got percussion protocol or whatever. Right. But I like how he was staring at Lesnar because he knew he had to get through Lesnar because he just battled Lesnar six weeks or three weeks ago, or whatever, at the Rumble. So I liked that whole presentation. I liked the angle. I liked how they protected Lashley. I like how they didn't drop him out. And I liked how during that, uh, Riddle was came in, and Riddle and Seth went and had another great three-minute match, which brought Styles in, and then they had a great little triple threat match for three minutes, and that brought Theory in for the buckle bomb, got some shot, uh, or the Tower of Doom or whatever. So all this is going on, the angle's going on, and these guys are in ring shining and killing it, because when Brock comes out, they're not going to shine no more. So... They were built up really strong before they got squashed. They they worked to their strengths before they got strong, before they got squashed. So the structure and the angle of this match is unlike the other, like other chamber matches. But I totally think it worked and I totally loved it. And it was the comp- it was the same idea as the Rumble, but it was completely opposite results on quality, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's a must watch because the match experiences like three or four different genres throughout its uh, time span. Yeah. And so I appreciate that, too. I really do. So you've got a ton of story in this match. you got great structure. The work weight was fucking flawless in between the nonsense. Well, not the nonsense, between the angles and the moving parts of this story. Those four guys put on a great show. They, and, the, and the tease was great. The tease was great because Lashley was fifth. This is after he was taking out. And as soon as Lashley's light went out to come out fifth, Michael Cole says, we have breaking news. And we're like, holy shit, are they going to insert Cody Rhodes? Because that's what I thought. You did not. I, Dude, I was like, holy shit, are they going to insert Cody? Are they going to insert Roaming? Like, what's the breaking news? And then he says, Bobby Lashley is, is in protocol. So I'm like, okay. Okay, so 
are they really going to do this? As they say, Lashley is definitely not coming back. But as soon as that happened, Brock says, fuck this shit. He just starts kicking down the pod and he escapes his and he's fifth. So I'm like, oh, shit, it's Brock. And here he comes again, just like the Rumble. But, dude, those four guys sold like fucking score. I'm surprised Rollins went out first. But, hey, whatever. Rollins went out first. Then Riddle went out second. And then Styles went out. Boom, bang, bang, boom. And then you have Theory out there. And then Theory's like, oh, fuck. And this is when it turns on, and this is where Brock Lesnar's Brock Lesnar, and this is where Austin Theory gets some shine, in my opinion. Um, and this is this is going to be character work for uh, for Theory because he's going to go to Vince and be like, I was with Brock and I lasted the longest, even though I was running around. I was the second to last guy in the chamber. I think there's progression for Theory. I love the spot for Theory, and I love how he had to chase him, and I love the hope spot. I love where he got him in the fucking he low blowed him. He got fell in the ring and then he pinned him and he kicked out on one, but you still had that. Oh no. You know what I mean? A little hope spot, but just enough for theory too. And I love, I've been to the hope spot because I know it's a stacked mania. And I thought, well, if they put the WWE title, like as the sixth most important match, maybe theory could do it now and actually get something under his resume. I don't know. But then you have the, like this whole thing is, Oh my God too, because he's throwing them through pods. He's chasing them. He's fucking, Brock Lesnar, he is manhandling this dude, and Theory is fucking killing it too, selling. So Theory runs to the top of the chamber on top of the pod, and then Brock in two fucking jumps is like up there. So Theory's like, oh fuck, I gotta escape. So he clips the top of the chamber almost to the tippy top, but he's at the top where it starts to break off like a cone, and then he tries to work his way through that. He gets half of his body out, and Brock in Spider-Man-esque is just like hop, 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 grabs Theory, throws him back down on the fucking platform. It was just like, holy shit. It's like a video game, pretty much, is the way to describe it. And then he takes Theory on top of the fucking chamber and F5s him to the fucking mat. I was just like, holy shit, dude. And then he gets, he jumps down, throws him in the ring, pins him, one, two, three, and takes a fake selfie. I know you pop for that t- fake selfie as much as I did. I did. I did. And then I, I liked that he actually did the real thing with like the fans afterwards, too. I thought that was cool. I thought that was a cool way for to get over the, the theory stuff, having Brock do it. I mean, you're, you've kind of sold me that maybe I, I hope I'm wrong on this theory stuff. I do like him a lot. I was glad he was in there um, for the longest. And I do hope it leads to something cool at Mania. So, yeah, I would say this is definitely match of the night. And honestly, I could see where you would be like that was terrible because of Brock and the predictability and all that stuff, but they didn't do Lashley dirty. They sh- the the guys got their shit in and looked really strong, but it's fucking Brock Lesnar, dude. I'm sorry. Those three guys, those three guys aren't ready right now. Those three guys are gonna be in meaningful Mania matches, but they got their shit in and they worked really strong before Brock and they delivered. But it's Brock fucking Lesnar and the main event of WrestleMania is more important than getting hope spots on him right now because he look should look like an absolute motherfucking beast before he faces Roman title for title. I mean, yeah, you hit. I mean, you said it. This is it. I noticed that the first time they showed the graphic, and most of the time they've been talking about this WrestleMania main event, it's been they've said, could it be champion versus champion? And then when it was set, they called it champion versus champion. Brock's celebration was so long, they advertised it a second time. And this was the first time I caught wind of them saying title for title, which means this is the unofficial, hopefully made official, ultimate challenge too. And I swear to God, it needs to be marketed <laughs> that way. And I'm not kidding. 
Yeah. I'm not kidding. They need, they, you know, it needs to, uh, this is, cause that's what this could be. This could go down because there's no, they fought many times before. All you have to sell when it comes to the spectacle or the stupendousness or whatever is that brand recognition that fans have with Ultimate Challenge. Stupendous does not have heat with me. It's starting to be endearing and growing on me, actually. So it's fine. It's fine. I don't so have a problem with it. I, I was kind of glad I remembered what the word actually was as I was ranting there. I just I'm excited for this. I just really want them to market it that way. They they, they could, but either way, they're regardless. They're going to market. Mar- they have marketing gold, in my opinion. And is it needed? No, but it does add to it. I was 50-50 on it, but if if you can have enough compelling stuff on Raw where you don't need the championship for a little bit, then put them to work and that's on Raw and the championship could be a crutch, honestly, and maybe they get to work and now Raw is better because the championship is gone. So maybe they get more into the weeds with the stories, more into the weeds with the characters and have a better presentation of Raw, which Raw has been low-key, I don't want to say very good, but on the ascend to good to very good as of late, really, ever since the brand splits with a few lows and like December and November, December, there was definitely lows, but there's been some peaks since the draft. So, and with title for title, it's not necessarily unification, but I could see an opportunity where they would want to unify it. It could be, it's Becky, time. it could be it's, Becky two belts time too. I don't know. No, it's time to unify it and then get rid of the intercontinental and us and have each show have a champion. And then one person at the top, who's the champion of the entire company. That's, if they're going to present those titles as is, that's a very good way of doing so. That way, and the being the Raw champion or the SmackDown champion is an instant, like, number one contendership. But you could have AJ Styles walk around for two months being like, yeah, I'm the Raw champion. And then it's like, now I'm the number one contender. And it makes sense because that's a way to build him and also build the belt. Wow, so Johnny C has come full circle on the Raw and SmackDown style championships at the end of this podcast. Fucking, yes, but they need fucking to, A, but, Johnny. But that's the thing is that if you only have one women's title, they need to change the names. But they need to, since there are multiple men's titles, that's how you establish the fucking tier structure. I'm the Raw champion or the SmackDown champion. Great. Well, there's still one motherfucker on top of the pyramid. No, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I just my fear is with with the unification if it happens that the brand split ends and i'm a proponent of the brand split because i don't want to see the same match on raw and smackdown because we see the same match on raw and raw back-to-back weeks so what are you gonna make it three times is worse because you're not gonna get creative you're still gonna fall in love with the x amount of guys you have storylines for like just like you do on raw and smackdown so i would just stay as is but whatever well Um, if you end the brand split guys like austin theory don't have a chance he might be established enough to have a chance, but guys like Ricochet don't. Guys like Sheamus don't. Guys like even like calling for Drew McIntyre in 2019 or 18 or 20 might not yeah. have a chance. Guys like you're not going to have as many championship chances to build superstars up. So I do agree with that in a way, Johnny. But Johnny, we are at the end of this podcast as a not official at all modern wrestling fan more of a laps fan more of a fan of the past how would you put this pay-per-view must watch or must skip hmm. it's so hard because i feel like if i'm saying it's must watch like i watched it because it was early on sat like i didn't and you know my kids didn't have any sports things today like i mean it was like it was a perfect storm Same. of opportunity <laughs> it was a yeah. perfect storm of opportunity um no i would not say this is must watch because 
I would have been fine not watching it and understanding what happens at WrestleMania because let's not lie, most of us do our thing. I don't know about us, but most of the people like us that don't do podcasts, they just come back and watch WrestleMania. And uh, you'd be able to understand WrestleMania without watching this. That being said, it's like the issue of a comic that takes place before the big event. It just helps shape your understanding. Yes, and I don't. And if you are a avid, I watch every WWE pay per view. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. I think this is a step up from the Royal Rumble, and it had, and it's still like the Royal Rumble were building blocks for the WrestleMania, but this one was more of a building block for WrestleMania. So if you want to be invested at WrestleMania instead of just stepping in and watching the video package, I would definitely watch this pay per view, or I would just breeze through it and I would watch just watch Madcap and Drew. <laughs> yes, please. Please no, watch I watch the fucking match. Mad Cat Moss match. The match you sound like me. The match of the night is the chamber, and if you were a Laps fan, you would appreciate the effort that Leader and Becky Lynch put in. Yeah, it was it was fun. I mean, hey, I'm glad I watched it because it gave me an opportunity to do this. Yes. Uh, but you know, it, it is what it is, and I I feel like that's sort of the where I'm at when it comes to modern stuff. It is what it is. Yeah, that's actually the best way to put it. But all right, Johnny, thank you very much for stepping in and. You know, Marcus and Tim should be back soon. And if that's it for me, Marcus and Tim, thank you for allowing me to step in and fill in when you guys could not. So um, I guess we'll see you back at WrestleMania for viewer's choice, Johnny. Ryan, I'll see you at Mania, buddy. All right, guys. Later. Thank you. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh, yeah. Oh, no.